Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Who was the youngest goalkeeper to play in the Premier League? The number one podcast. And welcome to episode two of the number one podcast, the football podcast, where we focus on the goalkeeping side of the game. I am Lloyd Griffith, and this is my co-host, former goalkeeper, and now journalist, David Priest. David, how are you? I'm very well, mate. I'm very stiff, to be honest with you. You're very stiff? Very stiff, yeah. No football for me this weekend, so I went boxing. You went boxing? Yeah. You're an absolute animal. Well, not yet, I'm not, but uh, I will be soon. You're training to be an animal? Yeah, I'm just training not to be fat, to be honest with you. I mean... It's not something that's ever tickled my fancy, to be fair. <laughs> it, it's slowly creeping up on me, sort of since I stopped playing and I spend more time in front of a computer than I do in a the gym, then it's, yeah, I'm, what, I'm slowly expanding. Playing games on the computer or just oh, no, just on the what, internet? Yeah, writing. Writing, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> not like that. But the, boxing, again, another sport where it's quite um, solitary, quite... Um, there's a there's a theme emerging, isn't there? Yeah, and you often take a blow in the face. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, and you have to wear um, gloves. Gloves, yeah. Crikey, mate! We will be answering that question later on the show. Who was the youngest goalkeeper to play in the Premier League? Do you know the answer? And we we, we chat. Well, we did. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know the answer at all until uh, until you told me. So it's, I'm good uh, at finding stats. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one, this one. Mate, I, I love the internet too, as well. Often on it, on my own. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone that has listened to the first episode. And thanks for all the nice tweets, the retweets and lovely reviews on iTunes. Uh, And we'll also be revealing the winner of the FIFA 18 game later on in the show. Um, Aside from boxing, have you been doing anything else um, this weekend? I haven't, no. The snow's sort of kiboshed everything. Yeah, I had to cancel two gigs this weekend because of the snow, um, which is a bit annoying. Um, And I got quite an angry tweet from a bloke in Ilkley which I had to try and smooth over so apologies if you were expecting me in Ilkley this weekend but the snow because I finished soccer at like 12 o'clock 1 o'clock on a Saturday to then get up to Ilkley in, in 7 hours I was just a bit worried about it it's 7 hours well well it isn't 7 hours but I'd, a friend of mine had said look it took me like 9 hours to get to Yorkshire from London the other day because of the snow I thought I don't want to don't want to let anyone down on the day, so... No, and if you want any more AA updates on whether roads are free or whether they're any blocked, yeah, just join in next week. Grimsby's game went ahead on Saturday. A lot of postponements on Saturday. Annoyingly, Grimsby's game did go ahead, which meant an inevitable loss, and it did do, but it did... We did lose at the helm of a new manager. We've got Michael Jolly. Um, do, do you know much about him? 
Yeah, I know a little bit about him. I know he was at uh, he was coaching at Lincoln just before I arrived there, and he went off to to do the uh, the academy at, at Burnley, and he, he took the route that a lot of coaches have taken recently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know the. The success of Graham Potter at Ostersunds is, I think it's sort of given everyone a, a sort of, uh, I don't know, a bit of encouragement to, to go abroad and to get their experience. And I, I mean, I, I did it myself, obviously, going to, to Denmark. And it's it, it's something that it, it doesn't matter where you're going as long as you, you, you know, you're just widening your, or broadening your horizons. And it's a great, Scandinavia is a great place to go and, uh, and learn your trade. Yeah, so he was a manager of AFC Eskilstuna, um, which is a team in Sweden. Yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, too familiar with them. No, I don't think many people are, to be fair. But he's, um, he's I, th- I think he's the first manager that Grimsby Town have had um, where he's, he's got a degree from Cambridge and has been a merchant banker at HSBC. So it's a different route. Well, a few merchant bankers, are they not? Oh, well, they've been called that. Something similar in in the past. I think we did actually. There was a lad called Church, um, who was it was a, a trader. I think he played for yeah. Boston. And and mate, I mean that's not what this podcast is about. Um, so we'll be following his success or um, failure on this podcast, but hopefully it is a success. And um, one thing I didn't ask you last week, and a few people did tweet in about it. When you were playing, what gloves did you wear? I wore anything. To be honest with you, anything. Yeah, well, to. Uh, I probably wore all, all um, every brand over the course of the 20, 22 years. But my favourites, I have to say, what used to be Roish. Really? Now, I don't know whether that's just because it coincided with a time when I was doing all right and I was playing well. and So then, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a superstition. But the thing is, with, with gloves, there, there are no good gloves and bad gloves. No. They're the gloves that suit you and the ones that you, you find the best. So it's, like I said, I don't think it's a, it's a matter of good or bad. Did you get sent them? Did you get them free? Well, do you know what? Considering I played at the level that I did, I wasn't sort of, um, I don't know, people weren't exactly throwing the gloves at me. They weren't? No. Probably because I they knew when I might drop them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to do that joke, but you got in there before yeah. me. No, but I, I did and sort of, uh, when I went to Denmark, the, the club had a contract with Ullsport. Ullsport, yeah. So uh, uh, I had to wear the, those gloves. So I, I think I tried every single pair that Ullsport had at the time. And... Did you? We talked about you being a bit, you know, your obsession with gloves. Even when you're a goalkeeper, are you still like going to shops, trying them out, like asking other goalkeepers what they're wearing? Oh no, I mean, especially particularly when I played. I mean, it's not so much now, but when I played, yeah, you just want to, all the new, the new ones came in. That never left you, you know. When you're nine, ten years old, you got the local sports shop, and you 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 looking at all these gloves that you can't afford, and and they said trying them all on, yeah. and smelling them, and it's the smell that gets yeah. me. That, that rubber and latex it's mm. kind of I remember when I was a young lad went to shopping to York on a, like a day out from Grimsby I remember going to this proper old school you know like a standalone sport shop yeah, like yeah. a an, into sport yeah, but yeah. not really and there was a Roish Peter Schmeichel gloves and that was it I was smitten and it took me about four years to get raise the money to get them because they were so expensive do you know what I tried them and I was so disappointed with those ones and I, I couldn't catch a thing in them really I could not catch a thing and that's why I thought Peter Schmeichel must be one hell of a keeper because I, <laughs> I don't know what it was what do you wear now if you get if you get asked to play Oh, you know, I've, I've not worn a pair of gloves for a long time. And this is the thing about coaching. I don't really wear goalkeeper gloves when I'm when I'm coaching. Why? Well, I don't know. I just seem that in my head, I'm a goalkeeping coach, not a not a goalkeeper. So I don't wear them. So I, I, I tend to wear sort of like I don't know, like a garden gloves. 
Well, not, not so much, but like just normal gloves that have got a grip on them. Like oh, Nike okay. do ones uh, that are sort of got a little, little yeah, bit of grip on them. Yeah, you know what? I saw some Under Armour ones the other week as well. Like, so they've just got a little, like little bubbles, haven't they, really? Yeah. And, and I, I, like I said, I find them more comfortable. I think there's probably a, it's maybe a bit too niche for people to, to make specific goalkeeping coaches gloves. I know there's ones <laughs> where you've got like a, you know, like a watch in, inside, inserted in the strap. Really? Yeah, so you can sort of keep time of your, your coaching sessions. And, All right, but yeah. not for like a goalkeeper wearing them on a pitch. Well, no, I mean, most most clubs have got like a scoreboard wait and see the time anyway, so he wouldn't really need a, a watch. Most clubs. No. No. Oh, no, I mean, you might get some hipster goalkeepers who've got like the, you know, like the pocket four watchers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an option. There's a market for it. Yeah. Right, let's have a look at what happened this weekend in the cheesily named feature Between the Sticks. <laughs> Two Everton won. Now a lot of talking points in this game. Uh, Everton went one nil up. Kenk Tosin. Yeah. Senk Tosin. I think it's is it Chenk? Chenk Tosin. Uh, yeah. I'll I mean, go for Chenk. Anyway. There's a number of ways you can say it. Uh, he scored a decent header against Pope. I don't think Pope could have done anything about it really. No, not at all. You're right. It was interesting what to watch because it, these. Uh, the two keepers who are maybe not in direct competition for places. I think it's a given that Jordan Pickford's going to be in the World Cup squad, but it was a good chance for, for to have a direct comparison just during the game and see how they're both doing. And I, I think he, um, Nick Pope didn't have a great deal to do, but what he did, he, you know, he, he just looked so comfortable and so solid yeah. and reliable, like you know, and. And, and Jordan, I think he, he overall he did have a good game, but he came in for a little bit of criticism for for the goals that he conceded. And I think there's there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, the first goal, I think it's not as cut and dry as what everyone's talking about. You know, I know that he, he in a similar situation he came out and he, he sort of in, he blocked. Uh, I think it was putting Ashley Barnes again. Same situation, come out, flew out, and, and sort of and, and blocked the shot. And everyone's saying he should have done that first case, but I just think it's such a hard, it's such a difficult ball to to deal with and to judge that the fact he did make a decision to steer. Is fine with me because as long as you don't get caught in between, if you'll get caught in two minds and you're caught in no man's land, then that, that's that's a wrong decision. Well, so where it looks like you haven't made that decision and you're panicking, so yeah. we're gone. Right, I'm either going to stay here, I'm going to come out straight away. But what he did, he made his mind up, gone right, I am going to stay here. He didn't panic and get like a few seconds. Like, oh, right, I better look like I'm going to come out and then make more of a move. Yeah, and it, it does look panicked, but. The, the ball is so good by uh, is it uh, Matt Loughton? Yeah, and, and the, the anglers coming it. You can see that uh, Michael Keane, the, the Everton centre half, he kind of makes a sort of motion to go and cut it out, and then realises he can't get there. And I think when when you do that, it's sort of you, to the uh, to the goalkeeper. He sort of thinks, well, he's going to go across there. I'll steer, and then when he doesn't, there's no time for you to react either. I think possibly in a couple of situations. I remarked at the time, I think uh, Jordan's starting positions were a little bit deep. Right. But some, but when you talk about uh, your starting positions, it's in relation to your defence. And sometimes, I mean, you look at the two centre-halves, they were all over the place all game. And, and Ashley Williams getting uh, getting sent off, it just it epitomises everything that he was... It, it, the way he was the whole game, he just so erratic, and they look like they're really struggling for confidence at two. So that that's that's a big factor in it as well. But for me, if he did make a mistake in that situation, is that he didn't react afterwards. So when the balls come through and Ashley Barnes arrived, and you can see he's going to hit the ball, and he's so close to goal, he's got to do two things. He's either got to go and engage then, and then fly out right. as he's about to kick the ball to block it, 
because he's so close to him, or at least stay square onto him. And he kind of just, I don't know, I don't know whether he gives up or, or he just turns his body a little bit. So it, it doesn't look great at all from uh, from that point of view. But for the instance where I think it was Ashley Barnes again, where he he came at him. Pickford made the decision to come out straight away then, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about whether it's a right, uh, the right decision or not, it's not always the outcome that decides that. I know a lot of people have been saying, well, he scored, so therefore it's the wrong decision. It's not, it doesn't always determine whether it's a good decision or not. But the fact is that um, you don't know whether, he, if he did come out, Ashley Barnes might just get a touch on the ball and, and exactly. taking a pass them as well. So uh, for me, it's, it's not a huge mistake by him uh, uh, to not come for the ball. I think the mistakes were made just after that. Pickford made a, a fair few decent saves in that game. The one that a lot of people are talking about, which is in our Save of the Week poll, which we'll talk about later, is the save from the corner, um, where the amount of tweets, uh, of videos that went round, it was quite Schmeichel-esque, I think. W- would, would you say that? Yeah, I'm, I think that as much as the save was great as well, I think it's just the fact that you appreciate the little little bits that's, that go into making the save and the fact when he and then the ball came across to Ashley Barnes, he sort of retreated in the right position. He didn't panic. He didn't look as if he was. They were. He was relaxed in all of his movements as well. And he got himself in a good position to be able to make the save. And the fact is, that when a when a cross to his right, it's not the fact he saved it that he's getting well out of the danger area as well. Yeah. Really strong arm. It was a really strong arm, wasn't it? Because it went out for a corner. That's the thing with Pickford. When he does make his saves, they are. He, you know, he's got strong wrists. He's got strong arms. There's no. Oh no, he, he, he's, no popper you know, No, but that's one of the things that um, when he was at Sunderland, they, they had to work hard on him because he was. He was enthusiastic and he wanted to train all the time and maybe he's training too much, but maybe he wasn't doing the right training or looked left himself off the pitch. And they had to keep on top of him to sort of um, to sort of get him in the right shape as well. Right. You, you can see him, he's, I don't know, he's, he's maybe he's not the the same physique as you see like um, David De Gea or, or it, maybe he doesn't look as athletic as other yeah. goalkeepers. So he's going to have to you know, watch what he eats and, and take care of himself. So a question for you. If you're a goalkeeper and you're not quite as strong with your hands, so as you say, Pickford has obviously worked on this. How do you build the strength in your wrists and your hands to be able to make uh, more meaty saves? Well, I think it's it's different now that uh, than than when I first started because we sort of we were just thrown in the gym and then just you throw a few weights about and the, it wasn't as structured as now. Kids from I don't know from from fourteen once you go into academies, they they're given programs. They've got a better knowledge of um of of what they're doing in the gym and barbell exercise and dumbbell exercise that you do for, um, for to, to to get stronger wrists. But I think it's more of a it's more of a holistic way of looking at. It. So you're having to build an all round sort of uh, strength rather than just focusing on certain individual areas. Yeah, and is it is it something that you work on the training ground with just get, get pushing those balls away or? Yeah, I think you build up a certain sort of a, a certain level of uh, of strength by doing it that way. I mean. I had, I had a particular weakness in my in my wrists, Did you? and I had to do a lot of a lot of work on them. Simply because I, I mean I, was, I broke them quite a few times. Right, I've got pins in my wrists as well, and of uh, breaks that weren't healing. So it was it was important for me to 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 strengthen those as well. Nick Pope, some decent saves. A lot of people. So Nick Pope is kind of he's he's been on the radar for a little while. Um, but for the people that don't know him about Nick Pope, just a few facts about Nick Pope. Six foot three from Soham uh, in England. Uh, youth career was at Ipswich, but then he, he's kind of he's 
he's gone around the houses a little bit. He's done he's done his time. He spent three years at Berry Town. He then spent five years at Charlton Athletic. I don't know a lot of Charlton fans were sad to see him go. Uh, but then he went out on loan whilst at Charlton. He went to Harrow Borough, Welling United, Welling United twice, Cambridge United, Aldershot, York City, and Berry. So he's you know he's done his fair share. He's kind of cemented his place in the side at the moment. We chatted about it whether you know when when Tom Heaton comes back, what will happen. Uh, Deitch has obviously then got a bit of a bit of a well a nice headache. Um, so he's obviously on a lot of people's radars. At the game this weekend, uh, Gareth Southgate was there watching, and I presume he's watching uh, both keepers. A nice little advert for English goalkeepers. We'll talk about that later on in the game. If you are Gareth Southgate and you are looking at Jordan Pickford and you're saying right, take that Everton defence away and you put in, in a different England defence, more sturdier, where Pickford is probably le- more likely to for less shots to face. Are you looking at him being more of a complete keeper? Well, I think you can, at all goal, all England goalkeepers, you can you can say that they'll be moving from one side where they're going to have a lot to do and they're defensively not great, and they're moving into to a, a, an England side where they are going to be you know better defenders in of front course, of them. Yeah. yeah, so it's a total different mindset for for all of them. Really, I think that especially with with Jordan. It's it's so important for him to get more experience at that level, and I think that's where you're going. Uh, Gareth Southgate is going to judge who he's going to play in the World Cup. It's not going to be on um, really what's what they've done at the clubs this season because all the, I mean, especially Jack and Jordan, they, they're starting to play well now despite the defensive records. And I think it's a big problem for him now because he, he's got a. I don't, mean, I don't know how many games there is, how many England games there is, there will be until the the start the very first. Uh, game the World Cup. So what does he do? Does he, he sort of nail his colours to the mast and sort of say, right, this is going to be my keep. I'm going to give these six games. Does he give them three each? Yeah. Because neither of them have got a lot of experience at this level. And 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 regardless of um, you know how many games are played at club level, it, it is a you know going into Tom's like it's a different kettle of fish. But they have got tournament experience at its youth level, so I mean that's a that's a positive. Well, let's talk about that later on because I do want to talk about the the England goalkeepers and who is in the picture for it. Let's move on to the next game uh, that we'd like to chat about: Liverpool two, Newcastle United nil. Now, <clears throat> Dubravka, we were chatting about him uh, last week about him being a good goalkeeper that has come into the Premier League. Not many people knew about him. Uh, at the opposite end of the pitch, there was Carius. A lot of people know about him, and he's become Liverpool's first choice at the moment. Both had decent games. Like Dubravka had to be switched on at the beginning. I think it was from that Salah shot that yeah. was a pop shot. Didn't really expect it, but he was uh, he was switched on and he was over to save it. And then speaking of saves, there was there was that Carius save, which was um, well an absolute worldly. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, the army is sort of. It's, it's a, well struck shot, sort of bent round him, and it, I mean, there's a great shot from behind the goal of him saving it, and it's it just looks absolutely beautiful. And the thing is about the Carrie's performances uh, since he's come back on the side, um, it's the fact that he's making saves, but he's making saves in important times. He's making yeah. saves when the when the scores are level or whether they're just ahead to keep him in the side. And the timing of that as well, because just before half time, because being a totally different team talk for Jurgen Klopp at half time and he's he, he's made it easy for her, for his manager just to say keep on doing what you're doing because it, like I said it, it would have lifted Newcastle as well and it just so many factors around it rather than just being a good save You mentioned it last week that Bravka made that save against Man United at 0-0 which 
kind of made St. James Park go go wild. Uh, that must be a thing, though. If it's at nil-nil or your team's 1-0 up and you make an important save, that must be great for not just yourself, but also the team. You must have seen that in the past. Yeah, and I mean, same with Dubravka being being new to the side and uh, they haven't got he hasn't got a build up a relationship with the the rest of his players. Carius he's been there eighteen months now and he's he, he whether he's built up the trust in trainers different. It, now it's it, it's about building up trust in games and, that, and that's where you get the real sort of building the relationship there. And and that's what he's got to do. He's got to earn sort of the, the, the trust of the people in front of him and and, and it, it, it is about trusting in each other, of course. You know, you know, regardless of um, how good you think each other are, yeah, and that trust comes from making important saves at important times. So, if you you can be given credit for likes what John uh, John Pickford's done at Sunderland last season, when he you know he's, he's keeping the score down more than anything else, oh, of course, at, yeah. at times. But if you're being uh, if you're being as important to the side as Salah, Firmino, Marnia then it's it, it kind of, it, you, like I said, you're building that relationship for, and it, it can only, it spreads confidence, confidence throughout the team. And uh, and it's about the relationship between the, the defenders and the goalkeeper, knowing what each other's going to do. So you, you're not waiting for something to happen. You're kind of predicting in your head, thinking, well, this situation is going to happen. I know what he might do here. And, and, and it allows you to be able to predict what's going to happen in front of you. Liverpool haven't really had a steady number one goalkeeper since um, Reina. Obviously, Mignolet came in in 2013. 2013, he was brought in because they thought that Reina was going to go to Barcelona. Um, and Mignolet, <clears throat> I was looking at the stats of the weekend. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite surprising that you're going, Craig, he's been here since, what, 2013? And he hasn't really won the hearts of the Liverpool fans at all. Whereas Carius. I mean, I don't want to speak too soon, but some of the stuff he's doing, obviously he comes in for heavy criticisms. I mean, he's not exactly perfect and he's made a few fumbles and stuff, but you do think that he is making his mark and saying, look, I'm having this number one spot and you have to fight me for it. And I think people are probably going to give him more credit now because he's had the start that he has. And and people will say, I mean, it's it's difficult to put him in the same bracket as David De Gea, but obviously he had his difficult start uh, when he first came to Manchester United. And... And to come back from that, it takes great mental strength. Now, looking at Carrius off the pitch, he, you know, he doesn't look unconfident at all. He looks, it looks a very confident character. And I, th- I think that uh, regardless of what happens in the summer, the Liverpool are going to have a very good goalkeeper on the hands. Um, from what I know, though, it looks as if they're still going to pull out all the stops to bring Alisson in. Really? Yeah, so they, they, they had a short list of keepers, Jack Butland being one of them, and... Uh, but I think they, they they will put everything they can into getting Alisson. Now, they, now they might deny it. Um, the, the club will the club will deny it, and they'll, they'll obviously they don't um, carry his confidence to take hit by looking over his shoulder. Because I think that's what's given the confidence now. The fact that he's it, it can work both ways with goalkeepers. If you've got two very competitive goalkeepers who are doing well, they can push each other on to, to, to even higher sort of performances and higher standards. When you've got two goalkeepers who are unsure of each other and they're not playing, the, in, they're not in great form, like Mignolet and Carrius weren't, it can be detrimental to both of them because the, you know, the pressure does get to you and it's, it, like I said, it doesn't help. So the, the situation he's in at the moment, the fact that he's just concentrating on playing, not looking over his shoulder, it's working for him. But like I said, I think uh, if they can... Uh, they'll bring Alisson in the summer. But Alisson, will, will he be first choice for Brazil in, this, in the summer? 
Well, uh, he's first choice at the moment, so he's not doing anything that would uh, would suggest that he's, you know, he he needs to be taken out there. I think it's they're so lucky in the, the situation in Brazil because they, they, for for a long time they they were it was seen as like yeah, whoever was left over in the squad they they would go and go like do you know what I mean exactly, and then sort of kind of from. Tafarel onwards, they, they've, they've uh, Julio Cesar. They, they just um, Dida. They've just produced really good. They've goal got keepers. amazing goalkeepers at the moment. They've got Allison. They've got Cassia, and they've also got Edison. Yeah, and Edison's going to be wanting to be knocking on that door. He'll be. He'll want to play at the World Cup. And look, the season that he's had, you kind of think, well, what, what more has you got to do apart from give Allison like a dodgy lasagna or something? <laughs> yeah. But you know, and Allison. He's going to go to the World Cup. He's going to have a good World Cup if he does play. And that'll put him in the shut window. So his value will go up. Will Liverpool be able to afford it? Obviously, they've got a lot of money that's coming from um, from uh, Coutinho. But I, it will be interesting to see what does happen. There's one good thing. It was uh, uh, Alex Mansfield, uh, for, um, or analyst for FB Whispers. He, he did a, a few stats on uh, how important Carius has been to, uh, to Liverpool. And of his last 16 saves... Eight, this is before the game uh, right. at the weekend. Eight have come when Liverpool have a one goal lead. Five come with the scores tied, and one has come with Liverpool a goal, down by a goal. And two have come with Liverpool up by two. So 14 out of those 16 saves have come when the result's in the balance. Wow. And, and it's, like I said, I love great saves, I love flamboyant saves, but the best saves are the ones that win your points and, and uh, or, or save a result, and that's what exactly what he's doing at the minute. Karius, he's obviously German, whether he'll be playing, um, well, basically he won't, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing the World Cup this season, because this season, this tournament, crikey, who am I? Because you've got, uh, you've got Testegen, you've got Leno, and you've got Trap. Now, Testegen, very much, that is his place, and no one's going to be taking that off him anytime soon. Um, and then you've got Leno, is it by Leverkusen? He's playing for Germany, he's playing in Germany. And then you've got Kevin Trap at Paris Saint Germain. Karras isn't going to get a bit of a look in, really. And when you've got, well, it'd be interesting to what happens with Manuel Neuer, because he's been struggling with his foot injury for a long time now. Um, and you would think as long as he can get fit before the end of the season, then obviously he's, he, he'll be the number one as well. So, you know, there's four goalkeepers who are... They're, they're performing at the top of the game as well, you know, and it's it'd be harder to see Karius breaking into that now. Absolutely. Let's look to the next game, Brighton Hove Albion 2, Arsenal 1. Now, it has not been a... <laughs> it's not been great for Arsenal fans for the last... They haven't won the last four games, being twice by Man City. Obviously, they went to they had uh, Ostersund, um, and then you'd have thought if Wenger needs to win any hearts back, it's against Brighton. But they go two 0 down in the first half, and uh, not a great game for Petr Cech. No, it wasn't. And he came up and tweeted afterwards that uh, yeah, if a if a team like Arsenal are going to win a league away from uh, win a game away from home in the Premier League, that they've you know the goalkeeper's got to save those two two goals, and, and I've got a little bit of sympathy with with him. But the you know the the first goal, great ball to the back post, and um, you got Lewis Dunk coming in at the back here, and it's difficult in those situations. I always say that if you can master uh, taking balls in that la- the the far area of your goal, 
then you've mastered crossing because everything you know it's easy to come and take nice uh, nice float balls into the middle, in the middle or yeah. things that near post where you can, you can really come and attack with momentum. But if you can master taking those balls at the back stick, then you you've mastered t- uh, crosses. And in this situation, it. I think he was right to come for it. The ball was there to come for. I know some people have said that, well, you know, he might have been better off just staying on his line and then dealing with the second ball. I think it was most goalkeepers, there's enough air on the ball, they would come for that they would come for that cross. But he was nowhere near it, though. At the crunch point, when he goes up to get it, there's three people in, I think, at minimum, three people in that melee. Mm. And as the goalkeeper, being able to use his hands, he wasn't, he wasn't, in for the win. Now, looking at from you know breaking it down, you've got initially his footwork's very good. His footwork's the correct footwork. So like the what normally happens when you're going into the backstick area, your front foot. So in this case, his right foot, you cross it over your left. Right. So it's a kind of you're going diagonally across. So uh, into the backstick, and it allows you to it should allow you if you time it right to be jumping off one foot and get greater momentum into your, into your jump. What happens here is, though, he gets there a little bit too early. So as he gets there, he's got to pause a tiny bit, which means he's jumping off two feet. Now, what happens is there, you, you can't get a, a, you know, you haven't got as much power and momentum because to there's push no off. Run-up. Yeah, so like you kind of, you get there and then you're doing a sort of like standing static, jump. A static yeah. jump, yeah. So as he's going for the ball, he gets there too early and he's standing. And it's, a, it's just it's a brief second and he's jumping straight up and down off two feet. Now, what happens in this situation? If you're going to get challenged, you're going to get you're going to get knocked easily. Right. If, you're, if you're going to take the ball, you're, you know, you've got nothing to protect yourself with there. You, you, were, you were sitting duck basically, and especially when you've got somebody come from behind you, um, who, who's got the momentum, who's got a jump on you. So not, not only that, you're a disadvantage because you're doing the static jump, but then you've got Lewis Dunk, um, who is, who's doing the, you know, the, who's, who's running into it. Yeah. So he's got more momentum into that cross anyway. Yeah. So he's got full momentum over. So as you get there, he's a, he's a two feet and he's square at the ball, so he Petrček can't see what's behind him basically. Right. So what you do in this situation is, I've always found it's a bit like um, in cricket. I don't know if you play cricket. A little bit. I, well, basically, wicket keep a little fat bloke. Behind. All right. So, so, well, if, if you're batsman in cricket, yeah. delivery comes down, you play the ball. You, once you've struck the ball, you have to, before you run, you have to wait until it clears the uh, sort of the the, the first fielder. Got you. So you, it's kind of, you, so you know where it's going. So there's normally a shout of wait. And I always found it uh, beneficial for me if there was a ball coming in the box with a lot of a lot of air in the ball. I was literally saying to myself in my head, "Wait." Really? So it, it's similar uh, because I play cricket. At a sort of that's how we equate it to the same situation. So I'd say, "Wait." And by the time I'd said that to myself in my head, that had given me enough of a delay to be able to assess the ball properly and then attack it at the right time so I'm not attacking it too early because when there's a lot of air on the ball, you, you, it's very tempting just to get yourself in position early yeah. and, and and try and take it. But it, it's all right if you're not if you're unopposed. But if you've got if you're being challenged by by players coming on top of you, you need some forward momentum towards them to want to protect you. And two to make sure that uh, you know if you if you win the ball, they're not going to uh, be knocking you and come on the top of you. So in that situation, if he left it just a split second later, he's me. He, he can uh, his footwork's great. He can take off from, with one foot. He can have his left arm up for protection, not ju- not only for protection, but for leverage against any players that's coming in 
yeah. in, in towards him, so then he can li- lift himself higher. And then I think instead of going with two fists, he was t- it looks like he was going to tr- try and punch you with two fists. That he just needs to help it on with one hand. So it's all like you, you're putting the, your hand over the top of uh, the the players that are coming onto you, and then you're coming over the top with the other hand, and you're basically just not even it's just a glance Palming and just it touch. out or just just getting it. Yeah, exactly. Away just from get, the, just uh, getting some zone. just getting something on it. And and that's the most important thing. The fact is that you've got some momentum going forward against the people that's coming against you. So then it it, it gives you protection and it pushes. It, like I said, it's it's um it's kind of just to win the battle of, of of two people going for the ball. The second goal came in and it it just went under Petr Cech. And as he rightly said, you need to be saving those. And it just wasn't his day, was it? I'm not I'm not saying that's like a lazy analysis. It wasn't his day, but. You kind of just knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's for for people who are critical of him now and saying that uh, I know there's a lot of Arsenal fans saying, "Well, he's not the same keeper he used to be." It, it kind of looked as if, well, he looked a little slow going down it. But the thing is, in these situations, it's not about technique; it's about stopping the ball. So I think sometimes. I don't know if we talked about it last week with uh, with the Degay goal where it's it's kind of this area between sort of like yeah, yeah the triangle yeah yeah so like in in this situation where it's it's sort of like between foot hand and hip yeah if it's going down there it's it's an awkward um, it's kind of an awkward space to get your hands down into so and and that's what he's trying to be trying to be too correct and get his hands down to it when he might he's been better off just sticking a leg out just sticking a leg out just 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 anything just yeah, to... Ju- just to get something behind it and it's. Uh, it's not about keeping the ball in that situation, just about stopping it and getting some behind. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Leicester-Bournemouth game where the Bournemouth wall, um, well, I mean, just what went on with that goal. Begovic had a wall in place. He was then standing one side and uh, Mares in the, I think, 148th minute, um, bent it around the wall and uh, got an equaliser. What should have happened? What happened? What are you saying about it? Well, I've looked at this quite a few times and I, and I know a lot of people, you're looking for people to blame. And I really don't, I don't know what else they could have done. 
because the the wall looked like it had been set up correctly. The only thing I'd see was um, I think it was Adam Smith was just off the side of the wall, and he was marking. I can't remember. It might be marking um, Jamie Vardy. He was sort of lurking around that area. Now you could say he could he should have joined the wall, which might have which might have made a difference. But if you set your wall up correctly, you've got like um, you you set the the wall up. And put the the second man in line with and the or second man on from the end in line with the ball in the post, so that should give you enough. But this is the conversation we always have about should we have walls in this situation from this far out? Now in this situation, I was thinking about it. It might have been better to have set the wall up further back. Right. Okay. Because then there's a lot of space in behind that wall. So when once the ball beats the wall, there's a lot of space in behind the wall for it to bend and to come back in there in on goal. If you put the wall further back, in this situation, not only is there no space in behind the wall for the ball to move, but also the man on the end of the wall he might be able to react because he's that far away from the ball. He might be able to react and sort of block the ball before it even gets anywhere near goal. So it was just I was just thinking about what could have done, what could have been done differently in that situation. That's why I think I think they could have um, they could have been further back, you know, because you don't have to be ten yards from the ball. Just the, that's just the minimum you have to be. Yeah. So if you're a little bit further back, and, and what that does, it might might give uh, Asmi a little bit um, more room so he can see the ball and he can take up a more of a central position. And as it was, he was almost. Blinded by it, and then yeah, I don't think like I said far uh, too late to dive when when you when you're seeing it when you are yeah exactly so from from where he's, he took it with the right position in uh, to from where the where the wall is and the ball is the walls set up right but like I said there's just a lot of space in behind that wall for the, the ball to to deviate and and come come back far enough to go in the goal so there's no real blame but I just think what could you've done differently so that's why maybe it's, maybe it's what we could have done. Uh, let's look at walls in the future, if that's all right. We can um, do that, yeah, no problem. That, uh, we can maybe get some sort of... We can tweet up a great picture that I've got of uh, me actually building a wall. Like a proper brick wall? Yeah, so when, we, when I went... Like Winston Churchill? Yeah, it was a lovely... Like a little pyramid, it's a beautiful little pyramid. And um, when I first went to Barnsley, there was a few of us, the PFA put this uh, a course on, so it was like, I think it was like two or three weeks of bricklaying, three weeks of um, plumbing, right. and three weeks of tiling. To learn sort of like life skills. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a clue how to do any of those. I mean, I still don't have much of a clue. To be can honest, you change a light bulb? I can. I can change a plug. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Change a plug. Come on, anyone can change a plug. Right, they were the main talking points of what happened this weekend in Between the Sticks. What I do want to talk about is the England keepers. We've touched on it earlier, but I think what we should do today is set out the stall, look at the England options and the questions with those options. Obviously, Gareth Southgate was at a game this weekend. He's going to be thinking about that. So if you've got any ideas as to who he should take tweeters in, it's at number one podcast. It's at no one podcast. So the options are Jordan Pickford, Jack Butler, Nick Pope, Alex McCarthy, Joe Hart, Tom Heaton, Fraser Forster. And I'm going to throw in there Ben Foster. Now I know he's retired, but we'll come on to that in a minute. So if you're Gareth Southgate, David Priest, and you've got uh, you've got 10 seconds, I'm asking you to make the decisions to the three goalkeepers you take to the World Cup. Who are you going to take? The three goalkeepers, go. Well, I'll do two versions. I'll do okay. my version. I'll do Gareth Oh, okay, version. interesting. Yeah, so it has to be Pickford and, and Jack Butland. That's that's not not. Uh, so this is you. Yeah, this is me. Pickford and Jack Butland. Who's the third one? Nick Pope. Nick Pope. Okay. Now put your Gareth Southgate mask on, which you, which you do have. A bit weird, but pop it on. There you go. That looks good, mate. 
Who are your three goalkeepers? Gareth Southgate, Butland, Pickford, and Joe Hart. You've changed the order there, just to. And is that the order you're going in? Oh no! Well, I didn't see. It doesn't that matter. Either. Doesn't matter. No, okay, those are three. So you you think that Gareth Southgate is going to take Joe out with him? I just I can't see him not taking him. One because. In his favour, he's got the experience, that's uh, the the big tournament experience, that the two younger keepers can lean on him, and he can sort of, if they need any advice, and, and you know he can chat to them and, and give them the, the benefit of his experience. And he, uh, Gareth Southgate knows he's a good knows he's a good pro. He's not going to be a disruptive influence. He, because that's the question that I was going to ask. If you've got someone like you, so you've you've got Jordan Pickford, who it, it looks likely that he m- might start, and then you've got you need a backup, so whether it be Butland or whether it be um, uh, Pope. But then you've got a third-choice keeper, and that third-choice keeper, I mean, probably isn't going to get a look-in for any game. So that per- that goalkeeper there is there for training sessions, absolute emergencies, but also for morale. And do you think that that person needs to be someone that is 100% behind number one and number two? Yeah, in my experience... Most goalkeepers, I've been very, very few occasions when I've either heard of or experienced myself where you know you haven't got um, the full backing of the other goalkeepers if you're not playing because at the end of the day, it's not your fault that they're not playing. You know, if they've got any beef, it's with the manager. So, would you be taking Joe Hart as an option for a third choice goalkeeper, or are you taking Joe Hart as someone who's done it, who can basically give not just the goalkeepers but the whole team experience? Go look. Guys, in my experience, you might want to consider this or take into consideration that that might happen. Is that is that why you're taking Joe Hart? There's a lot of things. There is that. There, there's the the fact that I don't know whether Gareth might think that he, he kind of owes it to him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he, he he played in all the qualifying games. He he played part in, in us getting to the World Cup. So there's maybe he's, you, know, you could say that he deserves to be there because of that. Um, but also, you've got to think about the future. Now, you might not think that Joe Hart's going to be the number one in the future. Uh, once this World Cup's over with, it'll, it will be just uh, Butland and Pickford who'll be vying for the number one spot. But if he doesn't take Joe Hart to the World Cup, then is that is that it for Joe Hart? That's what you've got to think. Yeah. Now, if you if you think that's the case and you won't, you will never need him, then it might be an easy decision. But the, do you really want to, to break that relationship with? With Joe Hart, and um, I mean, you should be worried about upsetting people, but the fact is, you might need him in the, in the future. I guess you have to look at form. I mean, that's the one thing you have to look at in the same way you look at strikers, midfielders, by goals and assists, and other more intricate stats nowadays. You, you have to look at how many saves they're making and also who they're playing for, where that team are finishing. Now, this is just something that you know. It's common knowledge, but Jordan Pickford plays for Everton last year. He was in a team, Sunderland, that got relegated. Jack Butland could be in a team that is relegated this season. So those two goalkeepers that you're taking, you know, I've been in teams that have been relegated in the last two years. It, that's, it, it's not worrying, but it's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I don't think it's affected them so far. But, but I'm saying if, if you look at someone like... Um, Brazil or Germany who we've talked at today those goalkeepers that they've got they're with you know Edison third yeah. choice goalkeeper he won the title with Man City to Stegen plays for Barcelona you go to Brazil you know you've got Roma keeper and also yeah sorry we took, yeah 
but, but you get what I'm saying, don't yeah, you? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm success mumbling, breeds but... success because if you if you're getting goalkeepers who are who who are successful with the club sides, you know that's going to translate with all it happens with all players. And if you look at if if you are in the same, you know, if you play in England in the World Cup and you're looking at our goalkeepers, obviously you look at form going. Oh, these this is a good shot stopper, but you're going. Well, he got relegated this season, mm. and he got relegated last season. So it doesn't. Surely the mentality of the opposition is thinking, oh, we can have this then. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it, it depends. It's, if you look at uh, from another another point of view, England aren't a top, um, well, see, they're not a top international side. When it comes to sort of the last stages, they are going to be the underdogs. 100%. So, you know, if you're playing a Germany, Spain, France, or Brazil, Argentina, they are going to be the underdogs. So then, you know, well, you are, the goalkeepers are going to be in that situation where the opposition is going to have a lot of possession and you are going to be te- defending a lot. So, I don't know, I might work in their favour, but I think it's all about mentality. And as long as that's um, the, the the defeats and the conceding the goals aren't being too detrimental, I think they're in the stage of the career where it won't affect them. I think, you know, year on year, once, you know, if it happens with the next two or three seasons, four seasons, five seasons, you get that sort of like losing mentality, then it can be detrimental. But the two of them, from from my experience, they are strong-willed and got a great deal of confidence in themselves. Looking at form, if the table were to be frozen and this is how all the teams were finished, um, the the English goalkeeper that is in the highest position is Nick Pope at Burnley in seventh. He's had a good season. At the beginning of the season, you probably wouldn't have put him in the mix for three, four, five uh, as England goalkeeper. But he's he's his head's there at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If if Tom Heaton had hadn't got injured and he'd been in the same form as he'd been last year and we started this this season, I'd have put him as number one. Really? Yeah. No doubt, just because I think he deserves it, and I thought he deserved it towards the end of last season as well. To be honest, because yeah. Joe wasn't playing that great at Torino, was having a great time there, and I'd have given him a couple of games, a couple of qualifiers in the last season, maybe the Scotland games. Let us know who you think should be going to the World Cup. Who you think the top three are at the moment? Tweet is in at number one podcast. Were you going to say something? Yeah, well, I was going to say you know you, men- you mentioned Ben Foster. I just think that he's is is uh, another one who's in that situation where he's not he's not playing the great side, no. but he's he's as reliable as anybody these days. Now, not people. I, I hate when people say, "Oh, well, uh, someone like Ben Foster, oh, he's got a rick in them." You know what I mean? Yeah, all goalkeepers got a rick in them. You know what I mean? It, it's. Uh, I don't see him making mistakes every week that's conceding no. goals. You know what I mean? So it's and he's one of those experienced heads that you could take to the World Cup. He's has, he has retired. Yeah. But if you want someone that is going to be a good influence on the other two goalkeepers, then he's a good lad. Yes. I mean, as somebody mentioned on uh, on Twitter, um, Carson Derby. He was, yeah. He's having a good season <laughs> this year. Like you know, and, and he's probably one that uh, where he was he was put into the England setup too early in that Croatia game, and it, it ended up costing him. Yeah. Not not just his England career, but. Sort of probably setting back a little bit. I find it quite interesting that every England goalkeeper that has even been on the bench is now kind of like going, "Oh, you could talk, you know." But he's 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 an interesting um, point. As I say, tweet is in at number one podcast. Whilst we're on the subject of goalkeepers, at the moment the youngest goalkeeper in the Premier League is Jordan Pickford. Um, he is. 23 years old, five months, and at the moment, five days. The next youngest person, the goalkeeper in the Premier League is Edison. Edison. Mm. 
23 years old as well. Then uh, Carrius, 24. Jack Butland, 24. Thibaut Courtois, 25, even though he looks like he's 43 and has 19 children. The question we asked at the beginning of the podcast, who is the youngest goalkeeper to play in the Premier League? So according to transfermarks.com, which is where we get all our stats from, the youngest goalkeeper to play in the Premier League was Neil Finn. He was 17 years old and three days when he made his debut for West Ham. He only made one appearance and that was the appearance that everyone talks about. When I say everyone, his family. He was a product of the West Ham Youth Academy and began his professional career as a trainee in August 1995. After just three reserve games, he became the then youngest player ever to appear in a Premier League match on New Year's Day in 1996 against Manchester City. When first-choice goalkeeper Ludic McCloskey was suspended and Les Seeley, God bless his soul, was injured. So there you go. A nice little fact for you. Right, let's look at save of the weekend. We gave you the four options. Carriers from Diarmi, Pickford from Barnes, McCarthy from Ndai, or Azpilicueta's clearance. With 51% of the votes, it is Carriers. Performance of the week, David. Who are you going to go for? That's me accent that you do. He's on with an R in it. He's looking at his own. So you've got a lot of notes, mate. We put a lot of work into this podcast. You've got at least three. You, you wouldn't think so. No, you wouldn't yeah. think so. No, mate, just two bumbling minutes in a room in North London. But you've got about, I'd say, four to five pages of notes there. Not only that, you've got them in different colours. Colours as well. You could clearly get one of those pens with the four different. Yeah, he has. There it is. But you know what? These are the, one of the greatest inventions ever. Uh, I mean, that's a big, big claim. Yeah, I think it, I think it is, and I'm, I'm obsessed with them. I've got. All right. To... Uh, I tell you what. Whilst you're looking for performance of the week, uh, we will reveal who has won the FIFA 18 uh, game. So I'm going to competitionagency.com forward slash tweet draw. I'm typing in at number one podcast. We're going to pick a random follower, and that random follower is. Graham, Graham, let's have a look at your Twitter account. It is at Graham C87. He's a B licensed GK coach for FA Wales. Ooh, 18's Bangor City FC, first team ex Everton and Tranmere, sponsored by Peak Sports UK. I mean, there's a lot of handles in there. Graham uh, will DM you. You have got a copy of FIFA 18. Well done, and thank you for taking part in that. We need to clear up because we've got to get out of the studio in two minutes. Uh, we recommend the book. Glove Story by Rob Stokes, Derek Hammond and Gary Silk. We're not being sponsored to say this. All the money goes to Willow uh, Foundation, charity set up by Bob Wilson. It's a cracking book. Are you in it? I am in it, yeah. I'm in it as well. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's uh-huh. a lovely book. We'll talk about that more. And so despite that, it is worth getting. It is worth getting. It is. I'm going to say, how many pages is it? It's like, it's 145 pages all about goalkeeping. The goalkeepers absolutely love it. We'll give it a little retweet and you are in with the chance of winning a book uh, in, in the future. Um, just quickly... Um, Andrew Weeks at Educated Idiot says, question for the pod, does padding on sleeves of, of shirts or on shorts make any difference? Now, I said this beforehand and you said, you don't really, it's not really, no. you're not really bothered, are you? I, I wasn't really bothered. I mean, it's kind of developed where you, there was like um, in a, using Kevlar, like bulletproof yeah. stuff, like, you know, I mean, it, it, it is worth it. But to me, the thing that, it was like a, a revolutionised goalkeeping yeah. for me. Pens, four colour pens? No, apart no. from uh, four colour pens, was um, like, uh, like, uh, Trousers. Pa- trousers, yeah, pants. Like your trousers yeah. for goalkeeping. Yeah. So well, instead, I mean, of, like, just, instead of the jogging pants, instead of the... Yeah, ju- just general ones. Paddy Kenny jogging pants. Yeah, because they're just, I mean, one, they kept you warm. Yeah. And two, they just stopped me getting from loads of, like, in pre-season, you used to get a lot of, like, horrible grass burns and, and grazers. Classic. That we'd, like, once you got them, 
you had them for like three months because obviously you just kept knocking the top off them every time you dived. And uh, so like lycra pants and snoods. Snoods? <laughs> Honestly. Really? Yeah. Oh, mate. I thought keepers were manly. No. Uh, no, I mean when, you, when you're when you playing in minus 14 conditions well, like, in Lincoln on, yeah, and, yeah in Lincoln yeah and, uh, but it was those are two things that revolutionised goalkeeping for me um, have you got a performance of the week I have yes you know what we haven't really talked about it but I'm going to say Jack Butland Jack Butland yeah because he made three or four very good saves and not only that it's the fact that he come back from that mistake last week he, not only did he, he, he have a went on to have a good game after that mistake it didn't let it affect him but it's it's so important in goalkeeping that if you make a mistake or you have a bad performance the most important thing is that you don't have a, a bad game the next game and don't do it the next week and he and, came back yeah and more, more than that he, yeah he played very well in um, three four great saves so I'm going to say Jack Butland so Jack if you're listening congratulations you've won our performance of the week a lot of goalkeepers are listening that's the great thing um, we've got to go because with this studio um, we, we're being kicked out of because we've been in here far too long do tweet us in it's at number one podcast at no one podcast uh, it looks like no one podcast but uh, whatever if you've enjoyed it please do give us a review on iTunes tunes um you've been throwing them in and absolutely lovely uh so just do it give us a lot, nice little five star review write us in and uh just tweet us in come and see us in person follow us whatever yeah and, and if like i said if there's anything that you think we've missed or there's anything you want covering then don't hesitate to tweet us and just get in touch and we'll we'll uh, end up yeah what we do i said we we're gonna have guests we are gonna have guests but i think what we're gonna do we're gonna keep this as the, the the main podcast to talk about stuff from the weekend and then we will have special podcasts where we bring in guests we're still still early day so any suggestions that you want us to talk about on the podcast please do tweet us in um, you're our family and we bloody cared about you anything else to add David Priest no that's everything I think for, for this week ok well listen thank you very much for listening uh, we love you all very much um, stay safe put your snood on go and get yourself a, a four coloured pen and some lycra trousers David say goodbye to all your friends goodbye all my friends cheers goodbye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.